Hello, this is Stephanie. And this is Brian. And this is B. Welcome to the making and the remaking of a codependent mind. B and I are friends who have known each other now for... Over 10 years. Over 10 years. We met when we worked together for a number of years, but just recently learned that B is a codependent mind as well. <laughs> Funny how we hide something. I know. <laughs> when we can. She and I are actually going to start a podcast together on a related topic about isolation and emerging from isolation. We feel that podcast will speak to people who struggle with codependency and codependent behaviors, but also speak to others who find themselves either isolating or in a state of isolation for any number of reasons. Do you want to say just a little bit more about that podcast before we, we have our discussion today? Yes, it's true that I have been a codependent mind for all my life, basically. And in recent years, when I finally was able to break away from that, I found myself and have found myself now for a number of years in this place of isolation where I was able to really think about my situation and why I do the things I do and why people do the things that they do. And I came to a lot of understandings. And in part, I came to a lot of understandings of the actually more recently, I think together we have come to the understanding of uh, where codependency and isolation intersect. Because on the one hand, while you are in a codependent relationship, you are in isolation because mm -hmm. you are not truly sharing yourself. You are not feeling seen. You're basically just holding on to safety. And on the other hand, in where I have been in the last few years, after not being in a codependent relationship anymore and recognizing that I didn't want that for myself anymore, I have been in a place of isolation, largely because I have not had people with whom to relate, but also because of this fear of starting a new friendship or relationship of any kind and falling back into codependency. And so better to be alone than in bad company. And I just have not wanted to do that. And so with that in mind, this new podcast is going to really explore isolation and really using me as a case study to emerge from isolation, because I'm in a place now where I understand it's not healthy. I understand that I have to relate with others in order to get my basic energetic needs of to feel seen, to feel safe, and to have a role. That is everybody's basic energetic needs. And I think in the objective with our next podcast will be to explore what isolation feels like, why one gets there, and how to emerge from it. And the podcast is called Not I, so you can look for it on all the standard podcast platforms. And as, as B saying, cover isolation right from where it starts all the way through how does one emerge from it. But we thought we'd talk about that last piece a little bit in this conversation. Because you're at this point, as you said, you've have been in isolation and felt isolated for, for a number of years. And you use that time to learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the world. And you've achieved a great deal of insight into your own behaviors and to others' behaviors. But you're struggling to turn that insight and understanding into new connections and new relationships. Absolutely. And I think that part of the objective with, with that podcast will be to document what steps I actually challenge myself to take in order to make those connections and not only to meet people, um, but also to when I when I do meet people, 
if I am not feeling seen, hopefully we will plan this in advance so that I will have prepared the language to make sure that I do feel seen rather than turn around and leave that relationship, which is what I normally tend to do. Right. Either mm-hmm. behave avoidant or anxious. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. as you said, there's a lot of intersection between people who struggle with codependency and people who find themselves or feel isolated. And I and I think a lot of people have been in, in your situation where they have come to an understanding that their past behaviors have not served them well in relationships. They have done the work around learning about codependency and and understanding where those behaviors came from, how those patterns developed, how they played out in past relationships, but they're still not at the point where they feel confidence to go forward and have a different kind of relationship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Partly, I'm sure, because you don't know what the luck of the draw is going to be. What kind of person are you going to, to get to try this new you, new no not codependent you right and the way it has happened in my lifetime in the past and i suppose maybe brian and yours as well is that you simply end up repeating patterns and Mm -hmm. you know regardless of your good intentions right so we thought we'd have a conversation between the three of us you're at a place again where i think many people who have struggled with codependency have been or are in wanting to change your patterns but not being clear what that looks like and who might be a good partner in that. We have Brian at a point where he has made that transition and been able to get into a relationship that has different patterns, healthier patterns, in one in which those needs that you mentioned, those needs for being seen and, and being safe and, and having a role, he feels those needs are consistently met. Um, and then we have me, who I think all of my relationships have been ones in which I have felt that I had a role and that I felt seen and that I felt safe. And I had a, we should probably clarify, it's a, it's a, it should be a role that you want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not like you've had roles. We end up playing roles in relationships that are not good for us and that we don't want. And so I, the relationship, my, my long-term relationships, both romantic and in terms of friends have been ones in which my, those needs have been met for me. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of just hear from each other about what it feels like to be in those different stages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is a a common question we've got from listeners too, is is how did I get from there to here? And it's been kind of a difficult one to answer because I know there's, it seems to be a lot of people that are in your position where you've had these realizations, but you're not already in a relationship. So now putting it into action. How do you do that? You know, how do you trust yourself to do that? And is it worth the risk and things like that? And it's not only how do you trust yourself to do that, because inherent in starting a new relationship is getting to know a person. Is Mm -hmm. this a person I want to relate to? And at the same time, am I able to practice a new non-codependent me, whatever that may look like? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're doing both at the same time, what if... I don't know, that whole thing is really scary to me, yeah, you know? Yeah. What if you, you end up walking into a relationship and discovering that, okay, you know, maybe I am taking care of the codependent piece, but this isn't really the person that I want, 
I don't know. Well, Maybe yeah, sure. There has to be, obviously, it has to be a worthwhile relationship. You know, but but it is testing it out. Is that is the only way you're going to learn, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, actually, I think it's scary for everyone, even people that have a history of you know i mean you can speak to this stephanie but yes. it's it's i mean everybody's being vulnerable when they're trying to meet people and and form relationships it's just that people like me and and it sounds like you that with a poor record of relationships like is this going to happen again am i going to be able to recognize quickly enough that this is the wrong kind of person or and things like that exactly can we figure out a little bit more what what is the fear is it that you have more fear you think because as, as you're saying brian it, it's scary mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> for sure making yourself vulnerable and being open to being hurt but that exactly though you know because knowing that i have been you know having a codependent history mm-hmm. and knowing that okay where did I learn that, right? I mean, I learned that from lived experience. And so it is something that really is only going to be replaced by something else that is a lived experience, by a new lived experience, mm-hmm. you know, not by not by a narrative that I read or was told or learned or really, really want to believe. It's a matter of, you know, what you feel in, in your skin to be true. That is your lived experience. And that is what you're likely to repeat. And that is what is so scary to me. And then... Let's say that you overcome that hurdle. You know, you're getting to know the person, you know, it's okay, great, whatever. But then let's say it doesn't work out and you need to break up again for some reason. Doing that from the place of codependency is a scary, scary thing to do. I don't know if you remember, Brian. Mm-hmm. It's that that I have no interest on, on getting close to ever again. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. There's the front end fear that we mm-hmm. all fear, but also the back end. The being trapped the in being that. being trapped. Yeah, yeah. sure. Right. I mean, these are fears we know that everyone has, right? Myself included. I also find it difficult to end relationships. It's it's hard to reject people, especially people who you're involved in a relationship of care with. But I think what I have is what you're saying. I have the lived experience of having done it mm-hmm. <laughs> repeatedly. And survived. And, and okay. survived. And mm-hmm. it, it was okay. So I have confidence in myself. I mean, you mentioned trust. Like, I trust that I w- can do it. There's less of a concern about, is this going to be the right person? Because I know I am the right person. Right. Exactly. Right. And I wonder if this comes in as well. When I'm in relationships, there's less of a need to be sure that the relationship is one in which I will feel seen and safe and have a role because I feel I can get those needs met myself. I mean, you're never going to be completely seen, completely safe, or completely have the right, exactly the right role in any relationship. I've never had, I mean, even our relationship, it's not like 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that you see me and that you know me. Right. And and I, and I wasn't always safe in our Mm-mm. Yeah, especially ter- not in the beginning. Yeah, right? in terms of how I trust you and trust our interactions. But I I mean, I, I felt that I can keep myself safe, that I know myself, and that I know what role I want in relationships. So the other person is not as critical. <laughs> mm. I, I understand that, but I think... and um, Well, on the one hand, I think that the other person ought to also be critical. You know, in, in a relationship where we're both aware that we have these needs. Sure, you're going to make sure that yours are taken care of, but you also want to make sure that the other person's is taken care of. That is, For sure. You, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's maybe part of the 
fear is that you're not sure that you can keep yourself safe, for instance, in a relationship? It's two things. I, I, I wanted to finish a thought about, okay. uh, about you regarding you know that you can keep yourself safe. And I believe that you're able to do that because you see yourself. And now I see myself. I did not used to. And so I do expect that it would be completely different in a new relationship. And I would imagine that, Brian, when, when you were like in a codependent relationship or, you know, with one of your bad relationships, you did not see yourself either. Mm, no, not at all. And, and I think that that may be the difference. Once you see yourself, then yeah, then you know what you're bringing to the relationship. And you know that you at least have, have wishes and will and, and you're willing to honor those. I mean, mm -hmm. that is a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, that's where I feel like I'm at now. I feel what you're talking about as far as kind of my eyes are open now. I see myself and I don't feel as though I can unsee that at this point so any relationship i were to start at this point from in any type of relationship i'm going into it with that knowledge and for me it's mostly i've been applying it to existing relationships because i still don't have a lot of skill in starting friendships with people i, I just never had that and i it's just that takes skill it takes unfortunately you know it takes work to have to bridge that gap between a casual conversation and turning it somehow into a friendship or a relationship but someone has to do it right i have big questions about that too yeah uh, absolutely i mean i think i did want to because we we're talking about feeling seen and what have you and i think it's important to point out that in order to feel that you belong Right, these three things need to exist. You need to feel seen, feel safe, and have a role. If you have a role, but you don't feel seen or feel safe, you're essentially trapped. If you feel seen, but you don't feel safe, you feel exposed. And then the third option is is the one that, that we, we went through, Brian, you yeah. and I, you know, just like trying to feel safe, period, the end. And, right. and once we got that, and I think that's what we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, that we were just seeking to feel safe in a relationship. So never mind, how do you get to the next level of feeling seen and and having fun right. and actually contributing right. and, yeah. and your person being something that brightens and enlivens that us of mm -hmm. whomever it is that you happen to be with. And sure enough that we do have this value that we bring as human beings. And it's something that rationally we can speak about. Yeah. But when you lived experience, I mean, because I can tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm saying all these things and I believe them very much. But when I tr think of myself in relationship with someone, I do get a sense of anxiety because I have been in relationships that I guess we're so needy that, that they could not see past themselves to see me too. And so we can be having this, this conversation, imagining a relationship where you are interacting with someone with a similar intellectual understanding, energetic understanding, and, and the similar willingness to make you get your energetic needs met. But what if, what if it's not that person? I mean, I guess, right, so then you walk away. But that's, that's where my anxiety still is. The walking away part? I think the fear of being in a conversation with a person who's who is not seeing you and and the having to to confront them and tell them you're not seeing me. right yeah i mean you have a history with that going badly right i mean i have a, a long history of that going badly to where i just preemptively didn't want to deal with it so i had to do everything i could to just pretend as though there isn't a problem exactly you know, because i don't want it was just too it was too scary to have to face anything that had to do with disappointing someone or contradicting someone because then you had two problems because yeah. then the person was upset and you it was your responsibility yeah. to bring them back right right yeah. yeah i caused them to be upset and then now i'm i'm immediately trying to claw my way back to making them not upset because that's what i was i trained myself to do so yeah 
I preemptively, well, I'm, I better not say that because I don't want to have to do that. I know I'm going to have to do that somehow. This is all internal. It's interesting because we kind of want, like you were saying earlier, B, we, we kind of want to try to have a different li- lived experience in a somewhat controlled environment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about the work that Brian has done throughout this podcast, and we've referred to it as very difficult work. We've heard that from other guests as well. This is mm-hmm. really difficult work to get from a place where you're not just repeating the patterns. And it was very painful for you a lot of that work was very painful even when it was being done in the context of a healthy relationship with someone that Mm -hmm. exactly because brian went was able to replace it with a lived experience yes because you're lucky enough to be working together and enacting yeah i'm very fortunate that it worked out that way that i was able to do this work while in a relationship that somehow my body could tell was the i was with the right person doing the right things rather than trying to just figure it out on my own and then just hoping this is going to work. And the reason that it kind of happened, though, in our relationship was because you were repeating the same patterns, Mm -hmm. but they weren't working. Yeah, it wasn't working. (laughs) Right. Because that's not what I wanted or needed from you. So I would put air quotes around worked with all with the other relationships only because they they worked perfectly with the demands that were were being put on me by these other people so that these people were basically insisting on being codependently cared for you know exactly they they work with the right players right you were no longer a right player stephanie because you were already okay we're not going to do the codependent thing Mm -hmm. but everybody else with whom brian may have interacted or i have interacted in the past like sure you go from one codependent relationship to another because because that is where your programming works. Mm-hmm. That where you that's where you can go and plug and play. Right. You know? I think it is the case though, you were fortunate, Brian, to to do it within the context of relationship. But what you didn't have and what you're saying B has is you didn't have any kind of this language or this insight right. into yourself and into the patterns that you were repeating. So mm-hmm. you have a leg up on him in that respect. Yeah. Because a lot of the, the shame and the pain that you experienced during this kind of transitional time was that you were enacting these patterns with me and hurting me and hurting us and not knowing why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That was a, a terrifying feeling to go like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why I'm, I'm behaving the way I am at all. So there's risk with that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's not just if you, oh, oh, great. I have, I have a relationship in which I can try to make these changes and to, have a different lived experience that can also be very terrifying because now you're risking losing someone and hurting exactly. someone that you love yeah rather than just starting kind of fresh with someone new mm-hmm. knowing that you have your patterns if you hurt them well you know they're adult <laughs> right right then easier said than done because i yeah. think energetically speaking probably the reaction you know the, that brian has of like why am i causing this pain onto another and and that that right there could have caused you to retreat and seek isolation yeah because right? right. of safety yeah he, yeah he, yes he tried actually oh uh, yeah i came close to that <laughs> yeah. right I, he it, tried at one point he tried to end our relationship and he was going to move away and it was totally i didn't have it was totally flight <laughs> this was this was pre all of my understanding right so I, I basically just got completely flooded and had just major freeze moment and over the course of a couple of days, and I just panicked, right? I, I like I need to I need to get out of this somehow. She was cu- getting too close to the truth that I didn't want to face is what was happening. 
And you couldn't appease her in a way that kept you safe right. and isolated. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, because, I mean, I, I was very practiced at doing that with the disordered people, especially the narcissistic people, is that even though their behaviors were abusive and unpredictable, it was like, well, but I know I could just lie to this person and... Exactly. If like, I just okay. hide myself enough, yeah. then we can keep the focus on them and then everything mm-hmm. will be okay. But Stephanie wasn't allowing right. you to no. get away with it. Yeah, yeah she wanted excellent. a different relationship. She wanted a real relationship, not one of those. <laughs> So, yeah, I came close to that with a friend that I've talked about in this podcast, you know, years before. But I was so out of touch with that kind of relationship by that point that it was just, yeah, it was scary having shame triggered the way it was being triggered. Um, Exactly. I can totally relate to that. Except, though, at the same time, I have absolutely no idea this is going on, right? So when this happened, I can't even admit to myself what I'm feeling at all. I just don't even know. And I can totally understand that. And I think for me... What was ironically beneficial to me was, sure, when when I was in such a place of isolation that there wasn't any any other codependent person to hook on to, to relate to, right? So it was just me alone. And eventually that allowed me to rise to the surface, you know, and I got to see so many truths about myself and, and also, you know, what I understand to be truths about human interaction, but, but about myself. Well, yeah, I like that idea. I've, I've heard another one of our guests had a similar, we didn't talk about it in the episode, but in her write-up talked about figuring things out, like kind of in isolation, chosen isolation, you know, just mm-hmm. I, I need to figure this out before I try again sort of thing. And that, I could see a lot of value in that. Yeah, I could have definitely benefited from that. I had to build my identity within our relationship because I, I really tried to keep myself from having an identity for for a large part for most of my life you know of just course. i need to keep I, I just need to be ready to take on whatever other identity i needed to exactly you know? i completely understand that and relate to that too yeah. yeah so yeah it's been difficult that's been one of the big challenges is am i being authentic you know what is my identity what do i really like or dislike or so i'm having to sort of retrofit that and go back and and think about all the times I made decisions and, and what drove that decision was it, what would I, I have done in that situation, you know, if I were had agency. Coming to trust myself, it worked with my emotions and stuff like that too, because I avoided my emotions, especially shame and things like that, to where I had to just practice. I had to do it. I had to keep facing shame over and over and over to trust that I could again. And so, so that I didn't have this knee-jerk reaction if I need to avoid it. Um, so, but when you say trust yourself, mm-hmm. what exactly are you referring to? Trust I, yourself that... Yeah, I'm trusting that I can handle it, that I will be consistent. I will come out on the other side feeling as though I've done what I feel I wanted to do, basically, or that, you know, I learned something from this or I grew from this, rather than throughout most of my life, I had I would have these residual feelings of, I didn't want to do that. I without literally thinking it just like this doesn't feel right i'm betraying myself somehow so really it's it was trust that you could keep yourself safe from shame yes i think the whole interaction with shame even if even if it is avoiding it mm-hmm. it's it's energetic interaction with the energy of shame right yeah right whether it is because you're thinking about it whether it is you're thinking about how to avoid it mm-hmm. it's because it's so present and you're expecting it yeah that's interesting. That so is definitely... just learning a different way of dealing with it. Because I've said this, and, and I've come to realize this, because I, I think a while back, I thought that I repressed my emotions or something, that that I didn't even feel them. But I was feeling them all the time. I just was reacting to them 
differently than I do now. I, I you know, just doing something totally different with them, trying not to get the message. I didn't feel like I had power to react the way I felt as though I needed to react <laughs> to the emotions. So like if anger came on or something, oh, I, I don't think I'll be able to express that properly or someone else is going to get angry back or something if I, if I express my anger. So I better not. Yeah. Rather than just having an authentic listening to it and having an authentic response to it back to relationships. And, um, it's, I think it's a similar thing. Am I going to be authentic in this relationship? You know, now that I understand what I'm bringing to the relationship, I have much more confidence that I will. Because the, I think you can tell you can tell me if I'm wrong. It seems the most pain that was caused in those abusive relationships were not what they did to you, but what you did to yourself. Yeah, I think so. Right. That's the pain that you carried. That was the shame that you carried. Mm-hmm. That was what was so difficult to get through. Well, and also the the fact that I've thoroughly gone through those relationships and realized that I didn't even want to be in those relationships at all to begin with, too. So it wasn't just that I felt shame for accepting abuse or whatever. It's just like, this person chose me and I'm okay, I'm in this relationship now. And I could just feel that throughout the entire relationship that I wasn't supposed to be there. But what am I going to do? That's the cards I was dealt. So I guess I just have to make this work. That's funny. I do remember being in my last relationship and being in a moment of, you know, just like really, really frustrating for the space that I was in, several, you know, several things going on. And I remember just asking myself or not even asking, but just telling myself, and you put yourself here. It's you know? so hard to face. Yeah. Yeah. It's so and, hard. And, and I think that was where, you know, the, the onion was getting peeled. You know, it's like, okay, if I am choosing this, what would it look like to choose something different? And and it's so scary because it, it's the dismantling of everything is a standing up to someone and saying, you know what, I need to feel seen too. Of course, I say it so easily <laughs> here <laughs> now. But... now. So we were talking early earlier about the fears that you have, which Brian talking about experience are perhaps well founded because it is a it's a challenging process. But also do you think also it might be the case that you feel some lack of motivation as well? Because I, I've heard that with other people in terms of the question whether it's even worth it to try. Right. Is it really better on the other side? You know, is, is it really possible that I'm gonna actually meet someone and be able to have the kind of relationship that at this point I want or need. Right. I think, yes, I think you're hitting the nail on the head because that involves a trust in something else, you know, like is it a trust in the universe or trust in luck that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. too, that I will find the person with whom I will be able to have a healthy relationship, whether it's a friendship, mind you, or whatever type of relationship. I don't know that I'm going to be so lucky to receive a person like that. And and I will be honest, as we have been talking here about, you know, you, Brian, being in, in this new place, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, I mean, sure, you know, if I had a Stephanie, that'd be great, you know, mm-hmm. but, but then can you do it with someone else? Because I think that there, I mean, sadly, there are just some places of trauma that get triggered. And I suppose it could happen in a seemingly healthy relationship. And then whatever, you know, you get angry and, and something happens. And yeah, it just seems like there's so many things to where it's not worth the trouble you know like it'd be like sure i mean if it's if we're talking if if the universe were dangling in front of me a relationship where i would feel seen feel safe and have a role i might just jump on it but how do you know it's not but how do i know that it is <laughs> true. you see and if it isn't then i have more of a problem than i have right now by staying away from it what's the worst that can happen it, at this point if you were to go down that road okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna face this 
this fear that I'm having. I don't know that the worst that we would even get to the worst because I don't think that I'm even getting to establishing relationships even with friendship. There's something there where it's just not connecting. It's not like I haven't tried to have friendships. You know, it's not like I have been sitting up in the tower and nobody talked to me. I have tried to have friendships now understanding that I need to feel seen, feel safe and have a role where I at, at least I feel seen. But if I'm not feeling seen, sure, then what I have done is I have just stepped away. And I recognize that the challenge is going to be, okay, how do I stay in that friendship and make myself feel seen? But part of me is, okay, already it's presenting so much difficulty and it's and we're only talking about friendship. I'm not even thinking about, you know, romantic relationship. And also I because my lived experience of them is one where where it's just me giving and not receiving the same energetic exchange. And so why would I be forcing myself to go in that direction? I was going to ask about that because I wonder if it is part that the, your lived experiences of these relationships were not a source of great pleasure. They were often a source of pain. And so why you perhaps understand intellectually the pleasures that an intimate relationship could bring, either a friendship or a romantic one. You haven't lived that pleasure. Exactly. You've lived the pain. So that's more of a guiding emotion. <laughs> well, you've gone through it. Can you speak to the pleasure? <laughs> yeah. You, you I mean, mean, so as opposed it, to... So if I went away, like if I disappeared, or, mm -hmm. would you try again? Yes, absolutely. Why? I mean, because the experience that I'm having now is is an experience that I value. Not that, you know, I wouldn't enjoy myself alone. I, it's, I get this kind of, the, we're greater than the sum of our parts. I get that with our relationship. When I, I think about what I bring and what Stephanie brings, I'm finding that I enjoy everything that much more, like exponentially more. And then... Just this, to use your term, this energetic exchange that I get is just something that I, at this point, don't want to be without. That's so beautiful. So yeah, I mean, if something were to happen, yeah, yeah, I would always want to be looking for that. And I can retroactively go back and feel as though I did want that all along, too. And and I had a taste of it when I had the, the friendship that you know started in high school and went beyond. And then I just lost sight of it when, when I basically had felt as though I had to shut it all off to just make these abusive relationships work. And then now I'm just getting a taste of it again. And it's like, wow, yes, this is what I want. This is what I've always wanted. This kind of intimate, emotional, intimate exchange. That beautiful. I mean, and it makes sense, right? That that would be what we're here to do, right? It absolutely feels like loving Brian and being loved by Brian is, as you say, what I was meant to be doing. The only other comparable experience I have is when I had my children, yeah. loving them felt right. this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, I mean, okay, I guess, you know, you're persuading me a little. If that is available, sure, absolutely, I would love to have something like that. And so if, you, if you're listening and you want to hear more about this conversation that B and I are going to be having um, and the conversation she's had with herself <laughs> about merging from isolation, trying to connect with other people, what the, what the challenges are with that, and then what also her successes are going to be. We're Knock on wood. <laughs> Please check out our podcast, Not I. Not I. Not isolated anymore. Not isolated anymore. Yeah. And thanks, B, for taking the time. Thank you yes, very much, Stephanie you. and Brian. This has been great. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode. Mm -hmm.